think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this. There is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddler's in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Birds are singing. The sun is out. Spring has sprung. Has your wardrobe followed suit? If not, you can get a refresh with Bombas, my favorite brand for socks, tees, and underwear that also has an amazing mission that we support wholeheartedly. Because for every incredible comfy item that I get from Bombas, they match with a donation to someone who is unhoused. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use code hard things for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash hard things and use code hard things at checkout. Welcome to We Can Do Hard Things. This is what we are calling... World Cup week. Oh, okay. Because my jam, we are going to get the pod squad completely ready for the most exciting, important sporting situation event event on the planet. Yep. Okay. The most important and exciting sporting event on the planet is coming up and the pod squad needs to be ready. So what you need to know, Pod Squad, is that in preparation, I did sit down with Abby at a table (laughs) and said, I really think it's important that we highlight the shit out of the World Cup. And so I want to brainstorm who we should have on to talk about the World Cup. And Abby (laughs) Wambach did sit with me for 20 minutes I said, I want somebody who knows the ins and outs. I want somebody who has been there, who has had the highs, who has had the lows, who will take us into the moments of the World Cup. Obviously, we already had Rapino. Mm -hmm. We're going to bring on the precious warrior, Sophia Smith. After, yeah. It took 20 minutes, but Abby did say, I've been to the World Cup. (laughs) What about me? (laughs) Put me in, coach. Oh my God, love bug. We have the queen of the World Cup. Wow. The queen of our hearts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who is here today to give us every single bit of background information, all of the juicy details, the highs, the lows, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. (laughs) How many more cliches can you throw into this conversation? A lot more. I'm putting money on it. We're going to... We're going to leave it on the field. Uh-huh. We're going to throw some Hail Marys. Oh. All right. I've been reading articles about Abby. Which is so ridiculous. No, it's not. It's thrilling. Oh. And I feel like I owe you an apology. <laughs> I feel like I should have been walking around like, hey, Abby, remember when that woman punched you in the face during that game <gasps> and the refs missed it? And then you had to go in for that goal with the swollen shut eye and then you made it and then you pointed at your eye you're such a badass I should have been saying these things more to you instead of like you're such a good sister I love you oh yeah she's such a badass Abby today is going to tell us some beautiful stories and get us ready because nobody can get Mm -mm. a squad ready like Abby Wambach actually do you want to give us a little pep talk pretend we're in a huddle do you have huddles in soccer 
Yeah, that's what you do. You yeah, huddle up. You huddle up. You circle up, circle up, pod squad. Give us a, a, a pep talk. Like you're Captain Abby Wambach and we're about to go on the field. What do you say? All right. So here's the thing. This is a huddle up for the listener. This sporting event is going to be riddled with so much drama. Mm-hmm. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. You are going to see some of the most amazing footballers play this game to their maximum. And what you're about to hear is an old player who played the game to her maximum. But I just am so excited because this is going to be the most competitive World Cup you've ever witnessed. Really? You're going to learn and know more about some of these younger national team players for the U.S. that are coming up. And you're going to see some magic. And and I think that one of the reasons why people love watching our, our women's team play in big events like the World Cup is because we have a really good chance of going far and winning. Oh, so that's different than with the men. Very. Mm-hmm. And th- no disrespect to the men. No. Um, but our women's team is a powerhouse. When you go to watch the game, your central nervous system can calm just a little because we will likely have an advantage. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be fun to watch. The advantage of excellence. Yeah. 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 So, okay. That was a terrible huddle up, by the way. I thought it was great. I could do better. I could do better. That was great. We'll we'll give you a chance to do another one at the end. (laughs) Okay. I want to talk about the first time you made it on to the World Cup team. Oh my gosh. Wait, can can we stop for a second? And just for the novices among us, we have the Olympics and then we have the World Cup. So is the World Cup like the international Super Bowl of football slash soccer, but similar to the Olympics, it only happens every four years, correct? The first World Cup took place in 1930 and it was created because at the time soccer was not part of the summer games. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So it was like an alt to Olympics. Yeah. And just for reference, the Olympics allows the women's teams to play, but they only allow a younger version of the men's so as to not cannibalize in a way the Olympics because the soccer teams would get so much more publicity and excitement. Oh, interesting. So you had played in college. Yeah. You were playing on a professional team. After college. After college, you're playing on a professional team. Yeah. And then you were in the the national team camps. Pool. Cool. So to explain to us what that means. So essentially what happens is uh, for the most part, it's a little bit different now than it was when I was going through, but the national team has youth national team programs. Mm -hmm. So when I was going, it was 15, 17, 18, 19, 21. And now it's a little different. I'm not sure the exact age groups that they have now, but it gives younger players an opportunity to play with other players around the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, to then one day become a national team player. Now, the senior national team is compiled of a group of national team pool players. So the coaching staff, general manager of the national team, they have a list of players, which essentially is what the national team pool is. And then they pull from that pool to bring in players for certain camps for certain roster. How do you get put in the pool? You are scouted. So you're scouted from the time that you're a young kid all the way through college. And then when you get on a professional team, that is really where a lot of the players are getting now pulled from. Uh, Now that we have really established a great professional league, it's an easier way for the national team coaches to identify players on a week by week basis, you know, depending on what's coming up. I mean, there's one player on the team right now that she's actually never played for the national team, but she made the World Cup roster because of her performance on her professional team. Savannah DeMello has yet to actually suit up and get a cap for a women's national team. Savannah DeMello, congratulations. Go, Savannah. So one day you're sitting around and you're playing on your professional team and do you get a call from someone that says, you're swimming in the national pool now? How does that work? Usually you get a call up to a certain camp. So okay. throughout the year, the national team has international dates where they can train and then play games at usually at the end of those camps. Those are the friendlies? Correct. Friendly games are games that are real games, but they don't matter. There's no like tournament. There's no prize at the end of it. So the national team coaching staff, I bet, are in constant communication with the coaches in the NWSL and also 
it, players who are playing in foreign leagues, U.S. national team players who are playing in foreign leagues. Um, they'll call the coach, talk about the player, and then after they've seen enough quality from that player, they will get in touch either by phone call or uh, email, letting that player know that they're going to get called into the next camp. So all the soccer people, if they're in like a pyramid of people, then, you know, they're trying to get higher and higher. They get higher if they're playing professional and then the highest, the best of that gets pulled up to the national team. Correct. So then the national team pool is there, but you, once you're on the national team pool, that doesn't mean you're getting picked for the world cup. Yes. Right. So only the tippy top of people determined by the coach that year or or staff get chosen for the actual world cup roster. That's right. So tell me about when you finally get your, you're holding your breath. When, what year was this? When you first made the world cup roster? 2003. 2003. Take us back to that <laughs> moment. 2003, Abby Wambach's first world cup. 20 yeah, so years I was playing ago. The, oh, 20 cool. years yeah, ago. I was playing on the Washington freedom, which now is the Washington spirit in the former WSA league. And the head coach, April Hendricks, she called me uh, and asked me to come to her house. She lived like an hour or two outside of DC because she wanted to discuss the world cup, uh, roster. And I was very excited and also nervous. I had been playing with the national team for the prior two years. I was getting called into camps. I was getting left out of some camps. And so I was in and out. And who was on that team that we would know? So Mia Hamm, Julie Foudy, Brandy Chastain, uh, Christine Lilly, some of the veteran iconic women that you've probably remember watching in the 99 Women's World Cup. So I drive my car to my head coach's house and I was very nervous because I was either going to make it or not. (laughs) (laughs) And so I walk into her house and, you know, I'm 22, 23 years old at the time. I'm very scared. Yes. I'm I'm very nervous. She's like, can I emphasize? How incredibly scared I am. (laughs) Yeah. I was very nervous and I walk in and she says, are you hungry? And I'm just like, yes, like nervous energy. So she makes me a ham sandwich. A Mia ham sandwich. She makes me a ham sandwich. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) And she sits me down and proceeds to let me know that I have made the final roster for the 2003 women's world cup. (gasps) And so I was so excited. And just so everybody is clear, when you're getting called into camp, it is of my mind at the time. I'm one of the younger players. I'm new. I'm just trying to break into the scene. Every single camp, every single meeting, every single time we're in a group of people, I am doing a head count in terms of how I see everybody on the team oh. and where they lie on like the numbers system. Yeah, of course. And I think at the time only 21 players made that roster. Mm -hmm. And so I kept getting to like the 20th and 21st player. And I'm like, Oh, I think I'm right there. I was like seeing myself just getting in, just Mm -hmm. getting in by the skin of my teeth. So I'm on the team. She tells me I'm on the team. And then she proceeds to tell me that I'm going to (gasps) start Oh my! that I'm a starter. How many people start on a soccer field? 11. You have 10 field players and a goalie because, you know, the whole previous two years I was getting called in and sometimes I wasn't even getting sent to games and and playing in camp. So what did I know? But I was playing so well in the league and Mia happened to be on my team. I got so lucky to get drafted to play on the team that Mia Hamm was on. Oh, so she was on the freedom also. In the professional league. Yeah. Mm, So you had the chemistry with her that you could play together. Yes. So it's like, yes, where Mia goes. So does that be, it was it's, like Taylor Swift and Gracie Abrams or something such as that. Exactly. Yes. Like, something that. like that. Yeah. Abby was Gracie. Yeah. I oh, got God. that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, she tells me that I've made it and, uh, I'm going to start. So I, I was excited. I'm, I made it. And then I was terrified. Yeah. Because I was was happy for 30 seconds before I knew. I was just happy to be there. You know, your first time going to one of these big events, of course, in your, in like your best, highest self, you want to play, but also I don't want to fuck it up. Like, I don't want to get out there and ruin it. And you're playing with all of your heroes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was intense. So she tells you that she believes in you so much that she's going to start you. Yeah. Okay. Then you go back to your 
Washington Freedom Team and what happens after she tells you that she believes in you? I score a ton of goals. We end up winning the WSA championship. Yeah. And one thing that was I scored cool- the game winning goal. I was the MVP. <laughs> She's like, she damn, I should have told Abby that earlier. But that's a good point. Like, Words of affirmation work very well yes, for me. Yes. I, I always say, <laughs> I love how you cooked tonight. I love how you do the dishes. I believe in you. But Abby said to me when she was first telling me this story, you should always tell people ahead of time. If you believe in them, tell them ahead of time because yeah. it like puts this extra pep in your step. Yeah. The weather's getting warmer, which is wonderful because we can say bye-bye to big bulky sweaters and jackets and hello to shorts and tees. I just ordered three of Quince's muscle tanks. Check out their European linen shirt dress. I got it in the blue and white stripes. Classic. It's beautiful and summery and gorgeous and linen, and it was less than $50. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And Quince cuts out the costs of the middleman and passes the savings to us. But they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. You will love all of it. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash hard things for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash hard things to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash hard things. So tell me what happens when you're preparing to go to the World Cup. What does that look like for a person? Well, it's very different now, but you've got to pack for like a whole month being on the road and you're going from different place to different place, different city, different city. You get a whole ton of gear from the sponsor of the national team. I was just decked out in all the World Cup gear. And it's very cool, especially when you're young, you're like wearing all the crests and stuff very proudly because this is like a dream come true. Like I watched the 99 World Cup women's team play and win at the Rose Bowl when Brandy like ripped off her jersey after she scored the penalty to win that World Cup for the U.S. And I was 19 watching that. I remember being like, that looks cool. I think I want to do that. (laughs) I want to do that for a job. And so you know, my whole life had had been about soccer. So this was the pinnacle. This was like the big tournament. So I was thrilled, excited, and also terrified. I like, I had a role. I had a big job to, to do also. Okay. So take us to the Germany game. It's the, the semifinal game. So to win it, you go to the final, to lose it, you go to the third place game. Okay. And just so everybody's understanding the world cup, for me at the time, it was like, I wanted the veteran players who had just won the previous world cup. I wanted them to re-experience that. Mm. And as for me as a person, I can't just do something for myself. I will superhuman myself for us, for the group, for the, the whole. And so we get ourselves into the semifinal game against Germany. And have you been playing that whole time? You've been starting? Yeah. I've been playing. I think I'm actually the, the leading scorer on the team. Wow. I'm I'm doing well. I'm having a a pretty good world cup for especially a young player. And Germany is one of the best teams in the world. They had this player, Gareth Freckis, who just was very tall. So on all of our set pieces, defensive set pieces, like, so, you know, we're defending corner kicks and we're defending free kicks. Hold please. A set piece is like, um, where they, they know what they're going to do. It's like a set piece is like, a scene where everyone knows their lines and then the rest of soccer is like improv. There's a foul. There is a foul and the ball is set. Right. And so then there is a play that happens to try to score a goal. And so Germany ended up getting a corner kick at the very beginning of the game. And the entire scouting of Germany was that Gareth Rekis, this tall player who was my mark, the person that I am trying to prevent from scoring Everything goes to the back post. Everything goes to the back post. What does that mean? Meaning if there's a corner kick, they serve the ball to the very farthest post. So there's two posts in in soccer. There's a front post of the goal. There's a front post and the back post. Mm -hmm. And all of their service was going to the back post. That was the scouting report that we got. 
And so they told me, Garifrakis will stand on the back post. You mark her there. First corner happens. Garifrakis is standing on the front post, <gasps> on the near post. And so I'm of two minds, meaning I don't know what to do. Because your coach has told you to be in one place and yes. you can see that you should be in another this place. This is the yes. set part of the set piece, but she's fucking up the set. Yes. This is an ad lib on Germany. <laughs> they called an audible. They did. Yes. So I look at Julie Foudy, who's the captain of our team. And I was like, Jules, what the fuck do I do? She's sitting on the near post. She goes, okay, stand in the middle and do both. If it goes near post, get there. If it goes far post, get there. I'm like, all right. So I'm not touch tight, meaning I'm not as close to Garifrakis as I need to be. Long and the short of it, they kick the corner kick and they this kick is like on a rope, meaning it is driven very quickly. And I couldn't get to Garifrakis. She heads the ball, scores a goal. Damn and me. we're down one to zero. She wombacked you. Yeah, exactly. It was my mark. Okay. She scored. I fucked up. Okay. So you fucked up. It was your mark yeah. that scored the goal. Yes. You're the baby of the team. Yeah. Your whole dream is to give this to the 99ers again. Yeah. And you feel as if you have lost the game for the team. Yeah. The whole World Cup. Yes. This is the quarterfinals or the semifinals? Semis. So now they were supposed to go to the finals if they won this. And so take us to you when that game ends and you have lost. So we lose. We actually lose the game by more than one um, because we were trying to push forward for a goal and they countered and scored a couple goals on us. Yeah, I'll never forget that night as long as I live. I remember feeling like I was in a bad dream, like I was going to wake up from it Mm -hmm. because it was like the worst possible outcome that I could imagine. Mm -hmm. I was so upset after the game. I was inconsolable. I was so upset that, that I wouldn't get out of the shower. I was just sitting on the ground in the shower crying. The coach actually ended up telling somebody else to stay behind because the team was already on the bus. And I was in a really bad place. Um, you were throwing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I was livid. I felt completely responsible. And it was the most devastating thing that I think had happened to me up until that point in my life. Did anybody say anything like comforting to you or helpful that you remember? Or was it just quiet? Or that? not comforting or not helpful to you? <laughs> I've learned this more now. Um, we don't bullshit each other. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not like you're fine. No, it wasn't that. It was just like, that's, uh, this sucks. That's a kick in the that's, teeth. Yeah. That's honorable. It really yeah. is. It's not patronizing. Every time anyone strikes out on Bobby's team and I always scream, it's okay. And then the whole team yeah. looks at me like, there's nothing worse you can say than it's okay. Well, I mean, and not for nothing, like not many people know this, but my livelihood depends on how well I do in the World Cup, even in perception. I'm mm. leading the team in scoring for the World Cup, but now I'm thinking I've, I've fucked up my whole career. This one play is going to now define me. It was horrible. It was a horrible feeling. I knew that the older veterans were considering their retirements at this point. Mm. They were getting older, and I didn't know if this was going to be the thing, right? Um, but they ended up continuing on and playing in the 2004 Olympics. Okay. So the next World Cup is 2007. I asked you about 2007 and your response was as follows. I don't want to talk about it next. So I guess we're skipping 2007, right? Yeah, it was a shit show. Okay. Not a good time. 2011. I want you, my love, to preface that amazing moment in 2011 that so many pod squatters will actually know the game against Brazil, but get us there. So it's a tournament in Germany and Europe is known to have uh, a lot of football, soccer knowledge. Um, FIFA was at the time putting more money than they ever had into the tournament. So the German fans came out in droves. It was really incredible. It felt more professional than any other world cup I had been to um, felt. It was like, Oh, this is kind of how it's supposed to be. We had done pretty well throughout the tournament and we find ourselves in the quarterfinal game against Brazil. Uh, we're in Dresden and who's on the team, Megan Rapino, 
uh, I think that that might have been Megan's first first World Cup. Yeah, Megan, Chris Rampone, Shannon Box, Carly Lloyd, Allie Krieger, uh, Rachel Bueller was on the team. Heather O'Reilly, um, Lori Lindsay, Kelly O'Hara. She's on the team now. Um, a lot of a lot of old school folks. I feel like for sure this game changed my life. And had I known it was going to change my life, I would have probably decided to be way more nervous for it. Mm -hmm. But I felt pretty confident. The previous World Cup, Brazil beat us in the game, knocking us out of the World Cup. Mm -hmm. And it was a butt kicking too. Like it was a humiliating one. Yeah, they, they killed us. And just food for thought. They're very um, fun before and after the games, Brazil, like they're beating drums. They're like being like really rowdy and excited. And so after we lost in 07, they, <laughs> we were, we, the national teams, uh, because in the later, later rounds, they play in certain uh, stadiums uh, and FIFA would house us in the same hotels. Mm. Hashtag bad that idea. Did, <laughs> I don't know if that happens anymore, but I'm clear it doesn't happen on the men's side. And so when we lost to Brazil in 07, we were in the lobby with our friends and family getting consoled, sad, upset. We just got super humiliated by Brazil. They just kiss, kicked our ass. Is that and why you didn't want to talk about 2007? A little bit. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. It. No, it's totally fine. Um, Brazil's team bus drives up and they're beating their drums. Oh. And it was one of those circular doors where there's yes. like three sections and it, you know, if you touch the door, the door stops like that little thing. They got their entire team inside the circular door <laughs> and they went round and round <gasps> while we were in the lobby crying. <sighs> that is hell. And I'll never, I'll never forget that feeling because we all just had to sit there and watch them celebrate in front of us. And so here we are playing against Brazil. Fast forward 2011 in Dresden. Does that make you extra as a team just freaking ready to play this game? Like, have you been waiting for this moment for four years yes. to like finally kick Brazil's ass? Yes. And so here we are. We find ourselves, we go up early in the game. Um, kind of an own goal gets scored. Uh, so we're up one to zero. And then <laughs> it's freaking crazy. But we end up getting a red card in the 60th minute. What? Yeah. Rachel Bueller gets a red card. And we go down uh, a player. What did she do? She got a penalty. Okay. Uh, but the referee deemed Rachel Bueller last player, meaning if you foul somebody and you're the last defender, that prevents somebody from an opportunity from scoring a goal, then that's an automatic red card. Okay. Pod squad, a red card is when you get a really serious timeout and you have to go to the sideline and think about what you've done. For the rest of the game, it's an ejection. So it was like an hour you were playing a woman down. That means one less player on the field for an hour. Yes. Well, because at the time, you don't know if you're going to go to extra extra time. This game, we ended up going into overtime because, you know, they score a goal. They tie it up. We end up going into extra time against Brazil. We're still playing down a man. Shannon Box was by far, in my mind, the MVP of this game because she was playing a holding center mid and a center back. So when we were in attack, she'd push up high. And when we were defending, she'd get back on our back God line. It was, she was a miracle that day. And so we get ourselves into overtime. Brazil scores on a corner kick. Marta does what Marta does. She scores this ridiculous goal and we're losing two to one. And at this point, the game, essentially, if you score an overtime in the world of soccer, that's like, okay, you, you, you've done it. Right. So you all were like, the whole world was like, Brazil's got this. Yes. It's over. Especially because we're also still playing down a player. Right. You're down a so player. So it's 11 v 10. Oof. And it's how very, far into very... the overtime is this, that they scored their goal? They scored in the first overtime. And then the game is counting down. We're like, there's like two minutes left. And one of the Brazilian players goes down <clears throat> with an injury. And I'm going up to the referee. I'm like, she's wasting time. It, she clearly like walks over and then falls to the ground. <laughs> right. Because she's like, if I can eat one of these two minutes, we're good. Yeah. And so they bring out the stretcher. She gets on the stretcher. And as the stretcher leaves the field, she jumps off the stretcher <laughs> and runs to the middle of the field to get called back on the game. 
What a rascal. Yeah. Here's what ends up happening. Because the player goes down with the injury, now the referee puts on two minutes of injury time in extra time, which is pretty rare um, at the time. Now they do tons of extra time in the World Cups and whatnot. So it's like 120th minute, 121st minute. And it's supposed to be over when? 120. So the referee is playing on for a few minutes because of this perceived injury and the time that it took for her to get off the field. And you're screaming what at your team? I'm screaming one chance. I was not willing to let myself believe that we were about to lose. Like it was not happening. Just one chance. So on our own goal line, which is like where our goalkeeper is, our goal line, Christy Rampone fouls the Brazilian player. I'll, I'll say it. She follows a Brazilian player and gets the ball, but the referee doesn't call it. She gets the ball back for us. And there's 10 or 20 seconds left of this game. That's how we're feeling in the moment. And we have the entire length of the field to go. It's a very big field. <laughs> so Christy Rampone gets the ball, passes it out to Allie Krieger, wide right. Allie gets the ball and plays it to Carly Lloyd in the center of the field, a little bit towards the midfield. Now, Brazil is like dropping all of their players back. So there's tons of them um, getting more towards their own goal to protect their goal. Yeah, they're getting their drums ready. They're like, we got this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Carly gets the ball. She dribbles it a few times across the center of the field and then plays it out wide to Megan Rapinoe, who's now on the left side of the field and probably 60 yards away from the goal line. Megan takes a few touches, looks up, looks down, and then proceeds to play, I think, one of, if not the best, balls and assists in a World Cup period. She just bombs. She just hits the fucking shit out of this ball. And I'm watching her because I am on the front line. It is my job now. Okay, the ball is in the air. I get a read on it. I get an instant knowing where that ball is going to go. And for whatever reason, the Brazilian goalkeeper thinks that she can get to it. So she comes out. And by the way, this entire game, the defender who was marking me was doing a fantastic job. Marked me out of the entire game. I couldn't get my head to anything on every set play, on every corner kick that we had. She had my number that day. Mm -hmm. And all I kept thinking was, don't fuck this up. (laughs) And then I see the keeper come out. I see the keeper's hands come across my face and she misses the ball. And I'm like, this is coming to me. This ball is coming to my head and the keeper is out. It is a wide open goal. Oh my God. And for whatever reason, I can't remember. You can't remember. I don't remember. I don't know if it's because I closed my eyes or if God was on my side, (laughs) but like as the ball strikes my head, all I know is I just need to, I need to head it. I can't just let it hit me. I need to actually head it. So I jump, I rise up. It is a perfect ball. It is perfectly on my head. Everything is right. I head it and I open my eyes and you hear the crowd go because they see this whole moment and they see that the goal is wide open. I heard the crowd fucking explode. And instantly I thought, oh my God, I hit the wrong side of the net. It went wide. Cause you don't know what they're exploding for. Yes. I, Cause it's so loud that I was like, oh my gosh. And then I realized I saw the ball go into the middle of, of the goal. It went in and we just tied this game in the last few seconds. And I remember I peeled out and the next thing I know, I was sliding. I was doing one of those knee slides, mm-hmm. um, but the field wasn't wet anymore. <laughs> so, so painful. Well, here's what happened. I'm knee sliding and in the stadium, like six inches off the sideline, there's a concrete path that I see. So I have to like pop up to my knees. Otherwise, I'm going to scrape up my knees. And as I stand up, I slip on the concrete. And this is when kind of the dog pile happens. Oh, yes. Um, And the crowd is going crazy. And like, there are moments, if you Google it, 
There are video internet compilations of bars all over the world losing their minds after Abby scores this goal and the <clears throat> announcers going, Wombach has saved the USA's life. Yeah. Well, right before that, the dude who was doing the famous commentary was like, this will go down in history as the U.S.'s most disappointing loss <laughs> of the... And yeah. three seconds later, he goes, can you believe it? Abby Wambach has saved the United States of America. <laughs> so you stand up and then Rapino. Well, okay, comes so there's a dog charging. pile. There's a dog pile. The, our whole bench clears and they're like freaking out on the sideline with me. But Pino was so far away <laughs> and probably did her own celebration, you know, just like, you know, fuck yes. It takes her a little bit to get to it, to me. So our little dog pile kind of separates and we're starting to run back to the center line to start the game again. And Pino runs up to me and jumps into my like body. She jumps onto me so hard that it hurt me. I was You're like, that's like, oh, my knees, not my chest. It was mayhem. And like, by the way, like we're still playing down a man. We have to start the over. game again. Uh-huh. To like get the game to go into penalties. We have done nothing. We just tied the game. We end up getting to penalties. We win in penalties. Moving on to the semis. If you want to learn something new, would you rather learn it on your own from a random teacher or from folks who are the best of the best in that skill? I think I know which option most of you would choose. That's made possible by Masterclass. In recent months, they've added classes from the likes of Ava DuVernay, who gives us tips on how to reframe our thinking in all walks of life. One of our personal favorites recently was the one-on-one time we got with Amy Poehler in her class on preparing to be unprepared. So good. With Ava DuVernay. With over 180 world-class instructors and a 30-day money-back guarantee for new members, there's no reason not to get started today. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash hard things. Masterclass.com slash hard things. Tell me what you said about you knew your life had changed. Why did you know that your life had changed from that goal? So my agent after that game was like, okay, so we're getting quite a bit of inbound calls. (laughs) And the way that like professional sports work, especially for women, endorsements happen the most around these World Cups. And so I realized my life had changed after that game in the post-game friends and family party that Dan pulled me aside and was like, look. People are calling like big names, national sponsorships are getting called in. And I just was like, holy shit. He was like begging me to get on Twitter. (laughs) Like, please start a profile. But that wasn't the finals. No, I mean, we hadn't won anything yet. We just won that quarterfinal game, sending us to the semis against France. We ended up winning against France. You also scored on a penalty kick of that game. I did. And that goal was the latest scoring goal in World Cup history. 122. Yes. 122 minute goal. When I was reading Abby, I had no idea about this. I knew that it was like, you know, I have like a painting of it in my house. I know it's a huge (laughs) deal in the world. But I didn't know what it did for U.S. soccer. That goal. I was reading soccer historians and they said that that goal in Brazil helped significantly. They point to that 122nd moment to reignite the sport of women's soccer in the U.S. And that right after that goal, the day after, the U.S. sent dozens of media to like Mm -hmm. a- And- Tearing up. Yeah, dozens dozens of media and potential sponsors. To that were just sitting out the World Cup. Mm -hmm. They weren't even attending- And because of the number of people who watched that and started demanding and talking about it, 
in response to that, they sent their media to cover it. And that that led to the resurgence. So it's wild Amazing. to think about like this moment from your individual perspectives, your individual players, then the people that it impacted, then the way that the world responded, and then the demand initiated by your goal, meaning mm-hmm. that all of these little girls have opportunities they didn't have before because your head was in the right place. Yeah, it was a wild moment of my my life. Everything changed from that point on. And I was also like completely aware that we hadn't won anything yet. Yeah. Like that was just a game. And then we had to go play France. We won against France and then we found ourselves against Japan in the finals, which at the time was an upset. Japan upset Germany to get into the finals. And I remember watching the Germany Japan game going, "Oh my gosh." This could be a fairy tale. I felt very confident playing against Japan in the finals and winning. Oh, you did. So then tell us just a little bit about that game and how it ended. We fucking lost. Okay. That was a little less than I was hoping for. (laughs) So, (laughs) so we end up going up a goal. Alex scores, scores a goal. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I told her that I was in love with her. I remember, I remember that moment. It's a headline. Vividly. People will cover this podcast. People magazine. Yeah. Happy Wambach admits she was in love with Alex. Morgan. <laughs> yeah. I, I did Alex, that twice. Alex is probably used to that. Happening, I, though. I did that twice in her career. One, one game when she scored against uh, Italy to actually send us to the world cup. She came on and scored a very late goal, baby horse. Uh, and then this one against Japan in the finals. And it's a weird thing because our coach at the time, Pia, she'd never wanted to like, you know, like at the end of a game when teams like park the bus is what they call it, um, which means you just defend and just put numbers behind the ball and make it really hard for them to score. Pia never wanted to do that. She's like, just keep playing. And so, all right, here we are. We're just going to keep playing. This is how we do it. Well, Japan gets a corner kick at the end of the game. <clears throat> and Sawa scores a goal, sending it to extra time. So here we are again, having to go into overtime oh, in God. a finals of the World Cup. We had just done an overtime with Brazil two games before that went into penalties. And it's weird because I scored a goal in overtime. So I was about to score the go ahead goal, and then Sawa comes back and scores again. Or I actually don't know if she scored the first goal, but either way, in a matter of like a few minutes, I went from from probably winning the golden boot, the golden ball, and probably the FIFA player of the year in 2011. Sawa scores, ties it, sends it to penalty kicks. We end up losing in penalty kicks. I think because we had done penalty kicks two games prior and they were able to- They knew what was what was happening. Um, and what happened after that game? So just as a, like a little context, um, the tsunami in Japan happened right. earlier that year mm-hmm. and they had a massive devastation. So this team was really trying to win uh, in honor of those that were lost. During yes. The tsunami, and they were probably a all, symbol. All the right? devastation. And it was just this beautiful moment. So here they are. They win. And I immediately run over because a lot of us are playing. We have friends on the Japanese team because they're playing in our professional league here. Uh, So we know a few of them. Sawa was on my team. So I Mm. ran over to Sawa and I congratulated her and, you know, all the cameras, I don't know this at the time, but all the cameras were on me uh, as I went over and I congratulated each and every one of the Japanese players. And so I think that the folks in Japan thought that I was super honorable for being able to do that. And ironically, I ended up getting called to go over to Japan to do a lot of game shows over there. I was like a superstar in Japan. (laughs) She was. Yeah. Yeah. So babe, this is now three World Cups. See, this is what I think is fascinating when Abby tells me these stories is when people probably think of superheroes, they think, oh, they must have always been winning but this is three World Cups that Abby's been in, and each one have led to the agony of defeat. The worst. Okay? 
I just think it's interesting. It is interesting. Like we think people who are great are always winning and that's not the way careers or lives go. Yep. Usually a lot of not that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, a lot of people are like, oh my God, you won so much. And while that's true, there were also three World Cup tournaments that I played in and lost. Right. So now, love bug, take us to 2015. We're going to circle back. You go to that meeting with April. April tells tells you you are on the team and you are starting. Now we're in 2015. Yeah. You get the call. They say you are on the team, but. Yeah, I make the team in 2015 and I'm 35. I'm old, getting slower. Coaching staff calls me in and informs me that my role of starting for a women's national team is now going to change and that I would be coming off the bench. Was that a surprise to you, Abby? Yes. So I had the wits about me at the very least. I feel grateful for this, that I excused myself. I said, I'm going to need to come back. Good for you. I'll be, I'll be back in a few minutes. God, that's so wise. And so I went into my room and I threw a bunch of shit around because though deep down I knew this was the right move, I was hoping that nobody was seeing what I was yeah. feeling. <laughs> I was hoping that nobody knew that I was slowing down and that maybe I wasn't going to be able to play 90 minutes. And you know, the way that the world cup works is your group stage games. If they end in a tie, then they end in a tie. But as you get into the knockout round stage games, you have to go into extra time and potentially penalty kicks to determine the winner. Mm. Um, and there's no way at my age, I was going to be able to play 120 minutes. And so right. our coaching staff, really wanted me on the field at the end of the games to ensure we could continue winning or to push for a goal. And so that was a devastation like no other, because, you know, like I said, my income earning power is based on not only minutes played, but goals scored, uh, being on the field and getting recognized, like all of that really matters. Uh, and so I, I felt like, oh shit, like, this is going to be bad for me. And it's also like a signal of like, oh, you're now on the backswing. You're no longer at the prime. You're like coming down from whatever height was your height. Yeah. In the climb of life, right? I'm now on the downside. And that's sad for a lot of reasons, but I, I didn't know how to be on the bench. I knew that you could be a good bench player and I knew that you could be a bad bench player. I have... Examples of both. What's an example of both? Not, well, not people, yeah. I mean behavior. Well, I mean, being a good bench player is like cheering for your teammates while they're out there. Uh, it's like getting water for them. It's like communicating during halftime, like what you're seeing on the bench so that you can help those players be more successful. A bad bench player is somebody who just sits on the bench and pouts and crosses their arm and says no words. Got it. And kind of slightly delights in bad things because they think that's if right. they were on the field, it would be different. And that's evidence that they should be on the field. That's exactly right. And I realized, you know, when I excused myself from the coaches, when they informed me that I was going to be a bench player, I realized I had a choice. I could be a good teammate or a bad teammate. And I wish that I could sit here and say that I'm such a good person that I chose to be a good teammate. Mm -hmm. But I actually played out both of those paths. <laughs> to the end. And I saw what was going to be the thing that allowed us to be champions. Mm -hmm. And it was being a good teammate. I knew that as a veteran player, I knew that I had a lot of respect of the players who'd be on the field. And I knew that if I actually believed in them and I was positive and affirming of what they were doing, that they would play better. Mm -hmm. I just like knew that mm -hmm. in my bones. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Hmm. It is not easy sitting on the bench and truly believing and truly cheering on the players who you want to be on the field. You want to hmm. be out there making a difference and scoring the goals. And I think that when I look back now, the thing that I'm most fascinated by is that everything that I had yet to learn about leadership was in fact sitting right there on that bench mm -hmm. next to me. Mm -hmm. as we grow in our jobs, in our lives, with our children and our families, our roles change. Mm -hmm. And the way that we see ourselves has to be more honest, I think, 
And because I was able to be truly honest with myself and also competitive, I wanted to win. I yeah. hadn't won a World Cup. I mean, how ironic. That's the it? ultimate competition. You're yes. Like, no, this isn't. I want to win. So I'll do anything, even eat my own ego. Yeah. I had to like actually live and breathe all the things that I was saying throughout my whole career. Like everybody matters <laughs> and we need all energy pointing in the right direction. I'm going to test these hypotheses that I've been preaching for yeah. 20 years. <laughs> but the irony is like I spent three other World Cups on the field playing in almost every minute of every game for our team. And I couldn't win. And then here we are with this opportunity for me to sit my ass on the bench. And then we go on and win the fucking thing. Yeah. So like, wow, that is a slap to the ego (laughs) if I've ever heard one. Or maybe you were exactly what was needed. how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this. There is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs, and that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand, And provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use swaddlers in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets it's match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Tell me some of the strategies that you used to lead from the bench because you have actually passed these down to our kids. They do them now. Yeah. I made myself do a bunch of stuff proactively to make myself feel like I had more power than just sitting on the bench. So I texted three players every single day, a veteran player, a middle range range player and a bench player. What we called ourselves game changers is a psychological (laughs) tactic of our coaching staff to like, (laughs) I don't know. I get it. We're bench players, you know? Um, So I texted three players every single day when we're on the training field, something that I saw that like really awed me and made me like so fired up. In fact, one of the players that I had texted a couple of days before playing Germany in the semis uh, was Kelly O'Hara, who was also a game changer, a bench player with me. And she ended up going on the field and scoring a goal as a game changer, scoring a goal, putting us up two to zero and literally giving us that go ahead goal, sending us to the finals. Wow. And after the game, she came up to me and she was like, dude, that was all you. And I was like, no, it was not. She did this awesome karate chop kick. It was like she just lunged her body in this very awkward, amazing way and scored this goal. And I know deep down that a lot of players stepped up in that that World Cup. Carly Lloyd had an incredible World Cup. Alex Morgan had an amazing World Cup, Megan. But I also think that there was this team collective unity that we were just going to win. And in fact, we got into the finals of that world cup and Carly just went off. She scored three goals in the first like five seconds. Um, (laughs) like in the first 20 minutes of the game, we were up three to zero. I think we ended up winning five to two or something, but it was, I was on the field at the end. And when that final whistle blew, I just, I fell to my knees Mm -hmm. just like stunned. And what was the overriding feeling in that moment? Well, relief. Every single championship I've ever won, it was just relief. Isn't that so interesting? Tell me what the the relief was. That I won't have to spend the rest of my life fucking pissed off. <laughs> Honestly. That's real. Swear to, to God. Relief that she doesn't have to spend the rest of her life miserable and pissed off. That's amazing because that is truly how she felt that if they didn't win a World Cup, the sad thing would be that her the rest of her life would be terrible. Yeah. I mean, cause here's the thing, like 
logically, I know that my life would not have been terrible. But that is the kind of mentality that you have to have. Absolutely. The way that these tournaments go, there's so many factors that are out of your control. Another team plays incredible. The referee, whatever, the temperature, the field, the rain, I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's so much that's out of your control. And so you have to create a controllable world psychologically. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I'm going to be fucking miserable. That's pretty motivating. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? At the end of a game and you are exhausted, you think this is just temporary. I don't, I want to prevent a forever misery by this temporary pain that I'm feeling right now. So you win. And I mean, you're not on the bench anymore, but you learned how to lead from the bench and you won. And now you lead from home. Like if you, that's what, if you knew how many texts and messages this woman sends to whether it's Kristen Press or Becky Sauerbert or Alex, she's constantly. And I want to tell you that last weekend, our youngest was in a big soccer tournament and they lost this heartbreaking game. They'd made it really far and they lost. And we were on our way home and Emma was on her phone and I said something to get her off her phone like we do. And she had been texting every single, all the girls on the team, just saying how proud she was of each of them and what they had done. And it was only because she sees Abby doing that. It's just the most beautiful form of leadership. I just think that you are so wonderful. Well, there's a little audacity in it. I know that um, none of these players need my input. I know that. (laughs) I I actually believe that they are um, capable and strong, the current team that's going in 2023. But I also know how important it is for them to know that we are here for them. In any like instance, if they feel if they feel like they need us, and by the way, they would they would never text me and be like, "I need to talk." That's not something that would happen. It's just like, "Hey, saw the game. Keep going. I love that run, or I I love I love that goal, whatever it is." Uh, and as a forward, the way practices are kind of organized, you spend a lot of time with the other forwards because you're you're training that. And so when other forwards are uh, doing really well, or I can see maybe a little need for a confidence boost. I'll just send like a text or a real quick, like, Hey, keep going, you know, mm-hmm. cause I know what Alex was doing when she was 21, 22 on the team, scared out of her mind about playing in the world cup or the Olympics. And I know how daunting it can feel to be in the biggest tournament and also how overwhelming it can be. And just to give like one or two pieces of like focus on your touch that can drown out all of the overwhelm. Yeah. If you just focus your attention on like one or two small things that you can do every game. And also it makes me feel like I'm still a part of it. Mm -hmm. Like that's also, it's Mm -hmm. like not just for them. It's also for myself. Yeah. Well, pod squad, we are watching the world cup. We are going to be leading from the couch. The U.S. Women's National Team kicks off their pursuit for another Women's World Cup Championship tomorrow, Friday, July 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific against Vietnam. In the U.S., the live broadcast will be on Fox and Fox Sports 1. Y'all, tune in. Did you say it starts at 9 o'clock? 6 p.m. Pacific. Oh, oh God, thank God. I love living in California. But there is one game that's going to be a midnight start. I can do one. I can do one. Pod Squad, we will see you on the pitch. If this podcast means something to you, it would mean so much to us if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to do each or all of these three things. First, can you please follow or subscribe to We Can Do Hard Things? Following the pod helps you because you'll never miss an episode and it helps us because you'll never miss an episode. To do this, just go to the We Can Do Hard Things show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and then just tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. This is the most important thing for the pod. 
While you're there, if you'd be willing to give us a five-star rating and review and share an episode you loved with a friend, we would be so grateful. We appreciate you very much. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. 